The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediaphile. And each week, we'll find out how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. New York Times bestselling author Austin Kleon has been called one of the most interesting people on the internet by The Atlantic Magazine. And he stopped by the writer files to chat with me about creativity and the writing life. Austin is the author of three illustrated books, Steal Like an Artist, Newspaper Blackout, and Show Your Work. In addition to being featured on NPR's Morning Edition, PBS NewsHour, and The Wall Street Journal, Mr. Cleon speaks about creativity in the digital age for organizations as varied as Pixar, Google, South by Southwest, TEDx, and The Economist. In the second part of this two-part file, Austin Cleon and I discuss a simpler definition of creativity, why you should write for just one person, how minimizing distractions can help your creativity, why your audience is your most valuable asset, the importance of being great at art and life, and why you need to pick your partners carefully. If I ever teach a class on imagination, I'm going to show House Hunters because imagination gets this very, oh, to have an imagination, it's this great skill and talent. It's like, look, imagination is something that Dave Hickey said. He said, imagination is just thinking of a door and seeing it in your head. Like, <laughs> like imagination is simply the ability to make images in your head. And so when you watch House Hunters, these people come into these houses and they're like, oh, God, I really hate the floors. You know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't like that paint color. And they literally can't get past right. the fact that this hideous paint they, they cannot, they simply cannot think of what life in this house could be like. Like we could rip up the carpet, we could put floors in, we could paint over this paint. But there are so many people that live their lives like that too. They literally can't make images in their head about what could be, mm-hmm. you know, and people just don't have imaginations. Like I was walking on the High Line in New York City 
a few weeks ago and everyone thought the Highline was going to fail. Like a huge group of people was like, this will never work. Just sure. like park up on a, on a, you know, on this old abandoned railroad track, like who would ever go to this? And it's just like a complete lack of imagination. Yeah. And people's minds, you know, and that's what, as a, you know, creative person, that's what you're offering people is you have to make, you have to make the image, you know, you have to make things that people can see. And that's true of like, whether you're writing a novel, you have to let people see the action or whether you're like doing a client presentation, you know, cause like until you put stuff in front of people, most people don't have imaginations. And so you just, that's what you're there for. And then people are like, well, how do you, you know, how do you get an imagination? I'm like, well, everyone has it. Hang out with a two-year-old for a while, you know, but the one, the one way I think is really easy is to start drawing because drawing is all about making images. And if you can learn to make images with a, a pencil, then you can start making them in your head. Yeah. But that's my personal opinion. Well, if you do do that class on imagination, I will definitely make an effort to, to come. <laughs> <laughs> I I can just see the kids looking at the syllabus, you know, uh, week three, watch 20 hours of house hunters. So Austin, let's talk about creativity. I know creativity is a giant theme and it's a theme that you are very familiar with. You talk about it a lot and um, let's talk, well, let's, why don't I ask you to define creativity in your own words? I have a really dumb, basic version, a definition for creativity, which is just taking what's in front of you and everybody else and turning it into something new that's not around, like inventing something out of the materials that we all kind of have available to us. So my friend Mike, when he's talking about creativity, he, he's always like, have you ever seen Apollo 13? He's like, there's a scene in Apollo 13 where they have to make that air filter and they've got like pantyhose, a pencil, and some wire, you know, whatever they have. <laughs> He's like, that's creativity right there. Like taking what's around and forming it into something people need or they've never seen before, that kind of thing. So I just have this very basic notion. It's like making something that wasn't there, there, yeah. out of the materials available to you. And would you say that you have a creative muse at the moment yourself? Mm. That's a good question. I, you know, a muse. I don't know that I have a muse. I feel like, you know, the person more than a muse, I feel like I have an audience in mind when I'm making stuff. And I feel like, you know, everything I write, I always think about my wife reading it first. You know, like Stephen King talks about that, how he writes for Tabby, his wife, that she's, you know, she's his first reader and, and he always has her in mind when he's writing. And I think for me that thinking about someone on the other end is kind of the muse for me because it feels like I'm making something for somebody. I feel like art and writing, I know that the, you know, the pure idea of writing or art is that you do it for yourself. But for me, it gets a lot easier when you think about doing it for someone else. When your work is like either a gift or it's a tool or it's something that you're making for somebody else. Yeah. And that's a way of dodging your question. But, I, <laughs> you know, instead of a muse, I feel like a lot of times having a having an audience or a recipient thinking about them on the other side and then making something for them. That's like that's that's like what I need more. When do you feel the most creative? 
I think when I come in the garage, you know, when I enter the bliss station, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, all right, let's make something. I also feel um, airplane rides, man. People waste airplane rides. They're like, oh, they got, you know, they're like reading Sky Mall or they're watching whatever stupid, you know, in-flight movie they've got. I that is when I produce, man. I open up my I open up my sketchbook and just keep my pen moving. Hmm. You know, just the whole flight as much as I can until I can't stand it anymore and then I pull out a book and read. But like there's something about being stuck. <laughs> you know, t- the captivity yeah. is like there's nothing else to do. You know, if you think about like I think about what you know, why was I originally brought to the arts in the first place? Like why did I ever pull a pen across a piece of paper? You know, so much of it was when I was a kid is just like you're just trying to pass time, you know? Or like you're you know, you're stuck in your crappy small town and it's like, well, let's play some music, you know, like just that idea of like, you know, trapping yourself somewhere and then having to entertain yourself, but not letting something else entertain you. You know, because that's what everyone else does. They're like, oh, I'll flip through the Sky Mall or I'll, you know, watch this movie. That's great. And there are places for that. But for me, I'm like, if I can entertain myself, mm-hmm. then I can actually make something. Yeah. I've heard that before. I mean, it's like the creative constraint or the, the kind of the boredom. But you will be happy to know that Sky Mall has been discontinued. The thing is, is I love Sky Mall. <laughs> like, I love Sky Mall. But, you know, it's these are these are all distractions. You know, these are all like I, I've learned so much from Dan Pink, um, the writer and author Dan Pink. Yeah. He, you know, talk about show your work. He has done this amazing series on travel. You know, he travels so much. And he had just all these little tips and tricks that I recommend everyone look up. But, you know, one of his things was like never turn the TV on in your hotel room. Hmm. You know, he's like, just don't do it. He's like, do you know, read the book you brought or something else. Just don't turn the TV on, which is like the exact opposite of like thing that I do at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, but like, but never do that. You know, don't like, but this is what the world does. Like the world wants to distract you. It wants you to be distracted. You know, like think about the way our software is built. I mean, our phones by default. Every program wants you to turn on notifications Mm -hmm. because they want to interrupt you, you know? One of the first things you can do is, like, turn off all your notifications on your phone. You know, better yet, just put it in, like, airplane mode, you know what I mean? But, like, like, when you're on a flight, it's tricky, you know? Like, even on an airplane, like, turning off that stupid TV in the back of the headrest, Mm -hmm. if you press the brightness button down far enough it'll turn off you know just like stupid design things like that they even keep you from like turning stuff off you know right if you can just like minimize the distractions and go into your own headspace you know yeah that's when stuff happens earlier in the show i mentioned an invaluable resource for writers truth is the arrow mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. 
The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, that brings me to our next question. And I love Dan Pink and his work. He was on the writer files, the written series. Oh, cool. Um, that was a He's good awesome. one. He's been super generous to me and I, I love his work. Yeah. I need to get him back in here. And actually, so was, um, Elizabeth Gilbert on the uh, written series also. She seems great. I should read one of her books. Yeah. Her new novel got just like amazing across the board reviews. That's great. So she's, I mean, she's She's a real writer, you know, she's a worker. Yeah. My favorite thing that I've read of hers is um, there's a great profile. If you type in Tom Waits, Elizabeth Gilbert, Mm -hmm. she did this wonderful profile of him in like 2002 before she was famous. Yeah, she's a, um, she was just a prolific journalist, really. Yeah. And uh, really, really love her work. You know, I never got to be a journalist. And I, and I think like, I mean, so many of my favorite writers started out as journalists. Yeah. My father-in-law has written for The Plain Dealer for like 35 years. My uncle wow. wrote for newspapers for like 20 years too. And I, I feel like there's a... There's a craft that comes from working on a deadline and having to churn stuff out that you just can't really replace with anything else. Well, what do you think makes a writer truly great? I think the right readers. I think it's true of all the arts. I think, you know, it's all about who's on the other end because you can be the best writer or the best artist in the world. And if you don't have the right readers or the right buyers or the right viewers, what does it do? You know, um, I mean, think about, you know, Melville dying penniless and now everybody reads Moby Dick, you know, and, and so much of that is just context and circumstance, you know, but, but I would say that like part of the writer's job is to find, you know, find the right audience too. I mean, and that sounds hard and it is, but, you know, I, I think that, readers writers need readers and that's why if we're in this culture where everyone wants to write but no one wants to read like that's a dead culture (laughs) you know what i mean there has to be there have to be readers and so if you're a writer and you're not a reader i know you're not any good there's no possible way you're a good writer if you're not a good reader 
It's just it, there's no that that was always the the big siren went off like when you'd be in like a writing workshop as in college and someone say oh yeah I really like to write but I don't really like to read and you're just <laughs> like you could write that person off immediately because yeah. they're just no good there's no way you know that just doesn't work that way I know we've we've mentioned a handful of uh, amazing writers do you have a couple other uh, favorite authors at the moment you want to mention. I just found the work of this art critic and writer named Dave Hickey. He wrote a book in 97 called Air Guitar, which is a collection of essays. You know, he's written art criticism for like 40 years or whatever. And uh, he put out a book recently called Pirates and Farmers that I haven't read yet. But, you know, I love coming up on guys. I mean, Hickey's, if he's not an octogenarian, he's on his way. I love coming across writers who like you've got their whole career mm. is there for you. Yeah. But the cool thing about Dave Hickey is like he has a Facebook page. <laughs> it's like if your grandpa was like the most interesting guy who had like hung out with Lester Banks and Andy Warhol and like Lou Reed and you know just all these amazing artists, Robert Rauschenberg, you know, just like mm. all these people. And he's like on Facebook like ranting. And I, I feel like there's just something so great about discovering someone when they're older and they have this huge body of work and you can like dive in. So Dave Hickey is like, I mean, his stuff, the air guitar is amazing. I just finished that. That's definitely going to be on my top books of the year. The other writer, I like to find writers and then just read everything, mm -hmm. you know, just read everything they wrote and then try to figure out who influenced them and read everything, you know, just kind of swim upstream. Yeah. There's a woman who I'm probably going to butcher her name, Tove Janssen. Tove Janssen, uh, she did the Moomins, hmm. which the Moomins are this family of hippopotamus-looking creatures. And she did a comic strip that was hugely popular in her time, but is kind of less known now. <laughs> and then she did these seven books about the Moomin family, seven or eight books about the Moomin family. And mm -hmm. she is just, she grew up with kind of bohemian parents. And so the Moomins are kind of her like cartoon version of her parents <laughs> and her family. And as a new dad, or still fairly new, still have that new dad smell. <laughs> uh, like, I feel like I'm always looking for models of home life. And the Moomins are just, Moomin Papa is like my favorite cartoon character right hmm. now because he's this kind of like reluctant dad in a sense like he would really like to just be playing cards or like often is writing his memoirs or whatever <laughs> but he's also this kind of bohemian and and i don't know it's just this really they all love each other and they take care of each other and like it's just this wonderful the moomins are just this wonderful series so that's just two examples and then i my favorites i mean i i tend to as a midwesterner who writes and draws i tend to be drawn to midwesterners who wrote and drew like i love charles schultz and mm -hmm. peanuts um i love kurt vonnegut a lot of people don't know that he was also a visual artist and a drawer i love uh linda berry who is still around and she's wonderful yeah well you're you're kind of the master of finding these great quotes i mean they're just peppered throughout your work and that's one of the reasons i just like to flip open steel like an artist and show your work but do you have a best love quote kind of floating in your brain right now? The quote I kind of live by is Flaubert, Gustave Flaubert. And he said, be regular and orderly in your life 
so that you may be violent and original in your work. And what Flaubert is saying is that, you know, you have to be boring in a sense. You have to, you know, you have to like, if you're having adventures all the time, you're not going to have any time to work, mm. you know? And yeah. there's a, I'm actually trying to write a talk solely based on that quote right now and that tension between as a creative person, you feel like you should be out having adventures, but then you also, you know, have to sit in a room all day and make something happen. And how do you balance those two? And like, that kind of thing that's great i will look for that uh, talk (laughs) well we'll see just a quick pause to mention that the writer files is brought to you by the rainmaker platform the complete website solution for content marketers and online entrepreneurs find out more and take a free 14-day test drive at rainmaker.fm slash platform you've mentioned some literary characters do you want to just uh drop a favorite literary character for fun Right now, it's Moomin Papa from yeah. the Moomins. I, I love him. I also love, uh, you know, I love like Charlie Brown, you know. Um, I, well, who else? What are my other favorite comic strips? Um, I don't know. I'm looking around. I feel, um, yeah. Now, Moomin Papa or Charlie Brown, you know, it's it's so hard not to relate, you know? Yeah. If you could choose one author, living or dead, for an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite restaurant in the world, who would it be? <laughs> I've had beers with Linda Berry before, and I'd love to take her to like a sushi place and just drink sake and let her go, you know, because yeah. she's just like, I spent a couple of hours with Linda. I feel like I'm such a, I'm such a Linda fanboy, but, you know, I spent a couple of hours with Linda when I was 23. I got lucky enough to like go hang out with her after a talk. And I literally feel like I've run off of the fumes of being (laughs) around her, you know, for the past, God, that was almost 10 years ago now. Wow. But she's just an amazing person. And, but I don't know, living or dead, that might be, uh, maybe I should go hang out with Da Vinci. I don't know. He probably, (laughs) you know, the problem is, is like so many of these writers, you wouldn't actually want to be around, you know, like, (laughs) you know, a lot of these people, they weren't great people. You know, and that's that's hard too, because you know the people whose work you really admire, they turn out to be these weirdos. You know, <laughs> like George Saunders would be someone I would hang out with. You know? Oh yeah, because he's he's a not only is he a genius certified, he's also a mensch. You know, mm-hmm. and it's but and it's hard to find those people, and those are the people you really have to kind of model. You know, I think that more artists should model themselves on those people that are good at art and and life because you Hmm. know i wouldn't want to hang out with picasso (laughs) no thanks (laughs) yeah no thanks right right i think you're a collector of of lots of different relics do you have a big a bigger biggest writer's fetish i you know i just i don't i never really i'm a simple tools guy you know almost to a fault i like dumb simple tools you know like i like fine point sharpies and I picked up my friend Clive Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, got me into these Palomino Blackwing pencils hmm. that are so, I like to sharpen them and I like to smell them. <laughs> and I love to use them as for marginalia when I'm reading. And so what I'll end up doing is I'll just sit there and sniff the pencil while I'm reading these, you know, Palomino pencils. I love those. I'm also, I'm really particular about my notebooks. Like I have this certain kind of, 
moleskin pocket notebook that's like this tiny little hardback version yeah. that will, is like will fit in a shirt pocket. Like I love field notes. Yeah. But I never use them because they're just too, I can't fit that in a pocket. I just, I can't. Right. Like I want to support field notes. I love like Aaron and, and Jim who run that, but I just, I, I'm so particular and you know, you get used to your tools. Yes, absolutely. And you have to have a kind of ruthlessness with your tools. Like you, you have to be like, you can't be too political with them. You got to go with what works. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I use a, um, a pocket notebook that I've been carrying around for years that I, can only find at office depot and they're like yeah. 99 cents each and they're the hardback but they're woven together so that they can't you know, like no matter how yeah long you sit on it or how sweaty it gets it never falls apart that's the thing about <laughs> that hardback moleskin that i use is it's just like they don't deteriorate right and, you know you just have to be able to beat stuff up and and now that you know now that i you know make like a little bit of dough and I can write stuff off my taxes. I just buy huge, buy in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so who or what has been your greatest uh, teacher? I think teachers are so tricky, you know? I mean, like, I feel like there's that thing where you kind of have to, like, I was, you know, all I was looking for, you know, in when I was younger, you know, without laying down on the couch. So I was looking for some Merlinish figure to, like, to knight me, you know, mm -hmm. I was, I was always looking for this like father figure to take me aside and say, Oh, you're in the club now, son. And, you know, do, do his blessing and send me out into the world. And <laughs> you realize that like, that's just a very immature, you know, way of going about, you know, your creative life is that, you know, people are teachers, but they're not your fathers or you're not, they're not, you know, replacements for any thing like that. But any, anyway, um, I had a great, professor in college named Stephen Bauer, who, again, I mentioned him before, and he said, apply ass to chair. I took probably four or five writing workshops with him, and, and he was a big believer in the notebook, mm. you know, keeping a daily notebook. He yeah. was a very firm believer in, like, showing up and stuff like that. And I think that he, you know, really gave me that initial push to say, yeah, you could be, you know, you could be a writer. Like, you could do this. On that note, can you offer some advice to fellow scribes on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? I'm going to say something that everyone kind of rolls their eyes when I say it, but I think it's really true, which is marry well. Marry well. 
pick your partners in crime very carefully. That's true of your romantic partner. It's true of your business partners. It's true of your friends. Like surround yourself with people who are going to make you better, but also people who will put up with you and will put up with this really bizarre thing that you're trying to do with your life. Because if you are, I'm going to steal this from Ian Sfinonius, if you're a lawyer or a doctor, everyone's going to applaud your decision. You know, they're going to be like, great, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, awesome. You know, you're a nurse, you're a teacher, whatever. But it, like, if you tell people you're a writer, they're going to be like, you know, oh, have you written anything I've read, <laughs> might have seen? Or, you know, do you make any money off that? Or, right. You know, it's just being in the arts and being a creative person is not a, you're not going to necessarily get validation from your everyday Joe on the street. And so it's very important to have someone in your life that believes in you and believes in the work, you know, and I got really lucky. I met my wife when I was 20 and, um, she, you know, one of the first interactions we had is <laughs> she came into my dorm room and said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Oh, I'm trying to work on the story. And I like proceeded to like, <laughs> you know, rant about the story I was writing for 10 minutes. And, you know, it's been like that ever since. And, you know, but, but I think like, Marry well, you know, have people in your life that will sustain you and, and help you along. And, and that's, that's a big part of the battle. That's great advice. Where can writers connect with you out there online or in real life? Yeah, writers love Twitter. I love Twitter. Austin Cleon on Twitter. And then the easiest thing to do is just go to my website, Austin Cleon, and you can follow me from there on Instagram or whatever the latest fad is. My favorite thing to do right now is I have a newsletter. Every week I send out 10 things I think are worth sharing and it's free and it's my favorite thing that I do. And you can uh, subscribe to that on my website. I didn't know that and I am subscribing as we speak. Yeah, it's can fun. You hear me typing? <laughs> it's fun. I love newsletters. I think I love technology I'm very interested in dumb technology that's stuck around. Mm. Like the other day I ordered a pizza at this pizza trailer in Austin. And I was like, so how long do you think it'll be? Can I walk around a little bit? And they said, oh, we'll text you when the pizza's ready. Yeah. I thought, now this is a wonderful example of simple technology making my life so much better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think email is one of those things, like everyone hates email, and but everyone has it. And I think the newsletter is like a really fun way to play with, you know, sending people these little, you know, these little messages every week. It's really fun for me. That's great. And it's a good way to build an, an email list for future updates on books. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've got your email so I can bug you <laughs> when I have something to sell. <laughs> But it'll be mixed in <laughs> with all the other neat things. <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping by the Rider Files again. Really appreciate your time and uh, energy. It's contagious. I definitely want to get back to writing. <laughs> I, I feel like I should too. You know? But um, uh, thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Yeah. Oh, and I loved your um, appearance on PBS's uh, Book View Now from BookCon 2015. That was pretty cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I um I I am I had fun interviewing. I really loved to interview. I'd really love to find a way to, you know, I just really love talking to people and hearing about their work. Yeah. 
I also really love show business. I just kind of like, that's one thing I think that's hard for writers is that, you know, the writing is hard for me. Going out and sharing the writing and selling the writing is not. And so I think, you know, that's another thing I would, you know, recommend to young writers is to, you know, understand that like there's not as big a difference between education and entertainment as you think there is, you know, like yeah. there's no matter what you're doing in a sense, you're, you're entertaining people. And, and so get into that showbiz mode and, and own it. That's cool. Well, I hope they tap you for uh, your own show someday. <laughs> I would love, I would, there is a dark, I have to admit there is a part of me that would love to have a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would watch. I would have one viewer then <laughs> at least. Well, I hope that someday in the future you can come back and rap with me again. I'd love that. All right, my friend. Have a great one. You too. I love Austin's not-so-secret formula. Do good work and share it with people. Thanks for tuning in to the second half of this two-part file. For more episodes of The Writer Files and all the show notes, or to leave us a comment or a question, drop by writerfiles.fm. And please subscribe to the show in iTunes. Leave us a rating or a review and help other writers to find us. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there.